Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A. FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Hello, uh, Joe Black here. Uh, it is time for episode one of Joe Black Meets. Uh, I'm recording this with a, a very um, attention-seeking cat on my lap, uh, Egon, who is purring like an absolute machine. Uh, yes, it is the first episode with my special guest, Joe Lysett, which was the second episode I recorded uh, in the series. Uh, Joe Lysett, comedian, presenter, troublemaker, generally glorious human being so i hope you love it and uh as of the time of recording this there is no sponsor to this so there shall be no ad breaks um if you do want to support in some way uh leave a lovely review uh to help push the podcast to to podcast related ears on the internet or i've got a patreon which is not necessarily this though they will probably get the episodes a day or two early um, and I'm going on tour in autumn with my show Club Cataclysm. That's October and November 2022. So if you are listening to this in the future, I can only assume it went well. Uh, and I saw all of your lovely, gorgeous faces there, I hope. Um, but yes, uh, Patreon is patreon.com forward slash Mr. Joe Black. That's M-I-S-T-E-R, not just M-R. And uh, yeah, Club Cataclysm touring this October and November around the UK and Ireland. Anyway... I said there's no ads, and then I'm going to look like a fucking liar if one does pop up. Uh, but at the time of recording, there is no sponsor. So, uh, doing this all myself, people. Anyway, anyway, going to hand over to Joe Lysett. Hope you love the episode. Bye-bye. Hello, Joe Lysett. Hello, Joe Black. How are you? I am alive. I am well. And I am uh, overjoyed to be speaking to you. Obviously, they can't see this, but you have all of... I assume these are your lovely artworks behind you. Yes, this is my... I'm in my studio, so you've got... Um, 
yes, yeah, some like some of my paintings, and then there's some paintings that other people have done. So like that one there is um, is by an artist called Dion Kitson, and what he does is he's taken like these old oil paintings of people in the kind of I don't know in the past that he's found in charity shops, and he's repainted over the top of them to make them look like sort of council estate working <laughs> class people. And I love them so much. They're really fun. And that's I bought that one from him. That is a plushie of Ginny Lemon. Ever heard oh, of them? Oh, I, I'm not familiar, but I will look up their work immediately. Uh, that That's a painting that I did of some floral stuff. And then it has the word gay written yes, over it. Yes, very, very, very uh, good, very good. And then other bits and bobs. That's is that George a, uh, Michael on the top right there? Or is that... No, that's my friend Tom Bird. Ah, but he will see, be. I think he'll be pleased about that. Yeah, I mean, from here it looks. I mean, t- the what the one that you said first about the council estate ones from here looks like the uh, the prom photo of Laura Palmer from Twin Peaks. So yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I'm, I'm getting my own interpretations here. Uh, I do yes. love your artwork very much, uh, and I will Thank come. You, dear. I, I will come to this and your garden updates uh, soon, but. Uh, I just I want to stay by start by saying that so I'm not in the in the stand up comedy world I live in the the cabaret drag burlesque world, and so mm. for me uh, stand up comedians just sort of hatch from little eggs and are suddenly on television, um, yes. like they just they just appear and I see these comedians and they're all famous and successful and on television and yes. recognizable because I don't you know I don't really go to stand up shows uh, for the most part uh, you know. Until fairly recently, it was a very heterosexual, white, male-dominated area. So that has always been kind of in my head. So I never went to stand-up shows. So Mm. the the ones that I know sort of just emerge from eggs at Live Live at the Apollo and and all of these panel shows and things. And I go, well, they must have always been here. Um, And and suddenly they're these famous faces that you'd recognize in the street. And I think Susie Ruffle has spoken about this, where the level of famous... I mean, you're different because you're doing arenas. Um, where people go, you look familiar. You look familiar. Yeah. Are you... And then it's someone else. Like, I got it. I get it with... Because uh, I have short orange hair. It was years yes. and years. Years and years were in Brighton recently. And I had people run towards me screaming. And as they got closer, you could just see the sort of defeat and sadness <laughs> on their face. Ollie, I think, fuck, Ollie Alexander looks fucking rough in person, they were thinking. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you look oh, gorgeous. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Not, not quite Ollie Alexander, but we've got similar, similar hair. I'm sort of Ollie Alexander drawn by Tim Burton, I think, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, like, you know, as as far as my understanding goes, you emerged from an egg and were very successful yes. and wonderful and on television. Um, how does that happen? Correct. I was in an egg, and then I got out of that egg, and here I am. The, unfortunately, the egg involved doing a lot of gigs in shit pubs. Mm-hmm. Uh I say unfortunately, I quite enjoyed all that time actually. I did, I've been doing stand up, getting on for 15 years, and I'd say the first five were me, um, yeah, playing a lot of gigs, different, varying qualities all around the country. I lived in Manchester at the time, so I was doing lots of gigs around Manchester uh, and all of the sort of satellite cities like Liverpool and Leeds and Huddersfield and all of those places, Stockport. And then um, so sort of cut my teeth on the north, which I was very grateful to do, actually, because the south and the sort of southern comedy scene is... Uh, slightly more impenetrable I would say because there's so many more people who want to get into it and there's more gigs but not enough to 
fulfill the demand really so you'd be waiting around for a lot more gigs i i expect uh, whereas in the north there are lots of comics but there are lots of gigs and there's a real appetite for comedy in the north so i was doing lots there and um and then sort of yeah gradually just started to get bits of telly and um, and it sort of flowed on from there, really. It's a good system. It's quite meritocratic. If people are... A friend of mine said there's no... Um, there's, there's loads of brilliant out-of-work actors. There's no brilliant out-of-work comedians. They might not be household names. They might not be uh, even on telly, but they'll be getting work because uh, if you deliver and you make an audience laugh consistently, then you'll be getting gigs because the gigs will be desperate to have you. So... Um, yeah, and that's that's the sort of potted history of my uh, trajectory. But I'm fascinated by the uh, the cabaret and all of that, uh, and the drag world, really. And, and I, I dip my toe in it here and there, but I think we're quite similar in the fact that we've not engaged massively in uh, other disciplines other than our own. I mean, I've, I've watched a lot of drag in the last few years, and I've gone to a lot of drag stuff um, uh, because I love it, but I've not done a lot of cabaret and I've not been to um sort of circusy things I've not done a lot of that really so is that world similar is it sort of you start off doing little gigs and then they build up yeah a, a little bit I mean we met uh at a little little pub garden show didn't we I had just done a show at the Nightingale in Birmingham and then we were and we yeah. sort of went ah you yes you. yes <laughs> across you Joe, there Joe the other Joe. Yes. Joe, just lots of Joes back and forth. Uh, you know, it is similar. I was quite lucky because I came up doing um, hosting, which I guess in the, in the same way that you, you were saying that with these TV gigs, that if you're funny, you'll consistently be booked on them. With yeah. hosting, there wasn't a lot of, uh, I don't want to say good hosts, but hosts that were sort of reliable and will always do, do the good job and can travel and are visually... Uh, appealing as well in terms of like yeah. dressing up rather than just uh, someone maybe more plain or or that fit a particular aesthetic for, especially for things like burlesque and cabaret because you know you throw a mm. bit of nice costume and some makeup on it and it of course something that you could have done in a you know t-shirt and jeans becomes something else once you've presented uh, in another way so I all of my yes. work came from from doing that because I was a host that was capable of doing songs as well which yes. all the shows are like, oh, that's helpful because then that's another act and that fills out time and then that money is used wisely because we have X amount of budget. And, and, and on the subject of budget, what you were saying about the North-South thing, I guess because of the the level of, you know, in the pubs and stuff, there wouldn't have necessarily been the budget to get you from Manchester to Reading or, or wherever no, comedy gigs no. happen. Um, and I didn't drive at the time, so I was, you know, I was at the mercy of public transport. What did the council do with their time before you drove? What did what? Sorry. Oh, the councils. Yes. I mean, <laughs> lived quiet, happy lives, I imagine. I uh, see. Yesterday, I was like, so with these these interviews, I've, I've done done uh, just one of them so far. And the rest are all after this point. So I'd like to do my research. And yesterday I was like, right, I'm talking to Joe Lysett tomorrow. I'm going to just say, right, I'm sure Joe Lysett's got a book. And then it suddenly I thought, Joe Lysett's got a book. I need to read the book. No, so I, I, gosh, no. I, I didn't even write the book. <laughs> no, <laughs> so I, I charged I charged myself down to the local bookshop. And I bought a copy of your um, parsnip, Parsnips Buttered. Uh, what's where, the full you. title? What is the full title? I read it all last I night. I, I, I've got a copy here. Hang on, let me have a look. Because I, 
Basically, I wrote this years ago, and I sort of forget that it's out there in the world. Bamboozle and boycott modern life one email at a time. There it is. Oh, well, I binge, binge read. Is it, is it technically binging with reading? I don't know. It doesn't sound like the binge sounds speed like... Speed read? Speed read. It's, um, there's a lot of pictures in there. So, I mean, you, you probably, yeah, sp- you could speed read it, I'd say. Yeah. But I read it all last night. And my goodness, it's so funny. I did See, I didn't oh. realise how long ago you, you, you'd written it. It was... I think s- it's... Oh, hang on, it'll say in the thing, won't it? 2017, I think. It's I think. Fif- 17, is it 17? 16, copyright <gasps> Joe Lice at 2016. My God, well, That's it was... That's mad. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, and Thanks, it's been a uh, what year is it now? Twenty twenty two. So that's <laughs> six years <laughs> yeah. ago. Six years, yeah. Was yeah. was writing was writing a book. Uh, one of those I've made it moments. Uh, it was a strange one actually because my agent uh, emailed me and said, "Oh, you've been offered a, um, a a book deal, but I don't think you should be doing one right now." And it was sort of just <laughs> like kind of killed in uh, um, on arrival. And I went, oh, no, no, don't, don't, don't send that email. I, I actually, I think I would like to write a book. And, yeah, there might be a better strategic time to do it in terms of sales and increased profile and all that. But actually, I might die. And it'd be nice to have said you've written the book and to go through that process and whatever. So we um, negotiated a... Uh, I, I think we negotiated between a few different publishers and, and ended up with Hodder, who were brilliant. And... Um, uh, yeah, I basically then spent the best part of a year compiling it around gigs and um, and putting it together. And it was a really lovely process, actually. I really enjoyed it. It was hard work, obviously. Yeah. Um, but because I, it was sort of a compilation of my kind of uh, some of the most fun emails I'd sort of done over the years or whatever, it was... Um, <laughs> there was a lot of the comedic stuff was written I just had to write the stuff around it and do the drawings and things like that and I look at it now I mean I haven't actually looked in it for ages and I think I um would like it to be better I'm sure yes I'm looking at it now going I could do much better drawings now and that sort of thing but (laughs) at at the time it was you know the best I could achieve and I put my best into it and as my nan used to say that's all you can do is your best and um yeah I I'm I'm very um I really enjoyed the whole, the what? whole process, and I like making thing like things that you can hold. And often, when you're doing stand up, you you don't do that. You're doing um, something that's gone forever. You do it once, and it's or you do it, you know, on tour, and then it's lost to the ether. It lives in the hearts of the people. Say that again. Sorry, it, you, it, you, you. It lives in the hearts of the people. That's where it, it lives, lives in the hearts. That's quite right. Yeah. <laughs> so I think the... there's some weird thing going on with Zoom where the, the when you say something, it it's not it's not sending it to me until you like are midway through the sentence for some reason. I don't know why that is. Bastard Zoom. See, like I I only got like a blurred version of that. Oh, I called Zoom a bunch of bastards. Yes, quite right. They are <laughs> bastards. The, the, with, the, with the book, so for those of unfamiliar that are listening, the, the book is, is basically being a professional mischief maker um, and yeah. mildly inconveniencing people uh, that deserve to be mildly inconvenienced. Um, yes. And did, did cause so you did Joe Lysett's Got Your Back. Was Is that all, because you were saying, oh, you know, I look back, oh, I forget, I've done it. But did what you were doing now come off of the back of doing that yes so the book was a sort of blueprint for got your back really and it was a sort of 
uh, yeah, a, a way of um, explaining what I do and what uh, what brings me uh, pleasure, which is, as you say, like sending emails to people and pissing them off a bit. But the right <laughs> sort of people. I don't do it for um, just for the um, the sake of it. I do it, you know. Um, if, if I feel that I'm someone's behaving badly, or whatever, I like to sort of piss about with them a little bit, or you know, selling stories to newspapers, all that sort of stuff. I love it. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that's what it sort of came out of, and um, uh, and then and, and and Channel Four. Well, actually, we pitched a show to the BBC originally, and BBC said no to it, and it was Channel Four that ran with it, and. Um, and actually, we—I don't think we would have got away with it on the BBC because it's sort of legally my show is quite uh, <laughs> tricky. I think is probably the word. <laughs> Nuanced. Nuanced. Uh, yeah, you know, there was lots of name changing. Lawyers, lots of name changing, but the lawyers generally, you know, have a a bit of a headache when my show is happening because. There's lots that they have to sign off. There's lots that they have to deal with. And there's lots of, like, ideas that I'm imagining that they don't often get presented with where they're like, oh, will, will we, the insurance pay out if he, you know, all of that stuff that they <laughs> have to think about. Do, do you um, find people in power are suspicious or uh, nervous of your approach to art? <laughs> yes, yes. They, they definitely... Nervousness is definitely the word. Um yeah, so it's it's good fun though. I like doing it. It's really you know it, it's a, it's always a challenge. It's always um, uh, always interesting, and and I like that it we can sort of add a kind of and we've and we've done this in different ways, but add like a sort of queer slant on a lot of these things and mm-hmm. make it not all about um, you know. The, I think the whole approach to the thing is sort of inherently queer. It's like having a having a go at companies by essentially dressing up as something that you're not you know turning myself into hugo boss is a sort of <laughs> in a way a sort of form of drag isn't it uh, yeah it's my sort you, of drag character yeah and, and it's um it, you you mean you've got you, you know in in the book it's sort of uh re- replies to hate mail which i thought was well well i would say maybe my second favorite uh inconvenience you've done to someone is the is the hate mail with the the back and forth images of uh jimmy carr um and my first one and i might need to sue you as you were going to sue them as i choked laughing uh as uh, (laughs) you you choked on a great watching a uh a uh claims um Yes. Advert that was, and I had to read it out loud to my boyfriend Aaron. I was because I was just sat there, and it's something about reading a book and laughing. As you look, you look sort of inherently a bit mad. As I'm just sat yeah. in a chair going, ah! <laughs> yeah, and then having oh, to I'm explain so why you're laughing. That's so nice of you to say. That's lovely. Uh, I mean, I, 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 as I say, I haven't read it for a while. I know roughly some of the stuff that's in there, um, but I'm looking through it now, going, oh bloody hell, yeah, I did that and I did that. So it's that. It's really fascinating, actually. Like thinking that it's still people are reading it out there in the wild and um i think the reason i've forgotten that i've done it is that i don't see a single penny from any sale now so oh damn it it means nothing to me now i don't give a shit you can take them down next (laughs) (laughs) go collect those pennies because so you got someone got their back uh back on you uh, which is not mentioned. It's mentioned briefly in the book, but no explanation of what actually happened. So you sent mm-hmm. glitter to your lovely hate mail man uh, oh, yeah, that's with the a, Jimmy Carr picture. It's and so you, fun. That. You, uh, it, it, it doesn't elaborate on it. You got glitter back from a bank. I did, yeah. 
I'm what, trying what, to remember. What happened? <laughs> oh God, I'm going through the book now to try and remind See, myself the, the, of. I re- the, I sent glitter. I've sent glitter to a few people, but I wrote about one specifically in here. But yeah, I remember someone sent it back to me, and it was it was it the bank? Maybe it was. Yeah, because it it just mentioned it, but then I was like, yeah, but how? Because you never spoke about sending anything to a bank. So suddenly I just thought it was like Lloyd's just suddenly were like, right, we're going to fuck him up. I don't know if you're with Lloyd's, but if Lloyd's just saw you and was like, right, no, we're taking him down. I have done stuff with banks before because I um, I, I don't like when they start, like there was one where they'd started um, charging me for stuff just out of the blue. And I was a bit like, what? Like it, it was, it, they just decided they were going to charge me. So I just thought I'd just sw- slow them down a little bit and waste their time a little bit. Um <laughs> But uh, I can't, I, off the top of my head, Joe, I can't remember which bank it was and what, I, I'm sure that, I, I, I vaguely remember there was a funny note with it um, from someone at the bank. Uh, but I don't want to, you know, throw any bank under the bus, you know. But um, but yes. one of them did send you glitter back. I'm just imagining that that conversation in the office, them being like, right, this fucker's fucked with us, we're going to fuck with him. Yeah, uh, some sort they of. They might like have mob. sent the glitter. I think they sent the glitter back that I'd sent them. <laughs> I think that might have been what happened. They got you. Um, they got me. Well, I was when I said uh, just just now about the the book thing. Big thing. Your published the book. book. The book, the book thing. thing. Um, uh, feeling like a made it moment. Have you? I mean, I'm assuming you've had a few of those when something happens. You go right. Made it, lads. Live at the Apollo is that, really. Um, because, and I remember Sarah Pascoe talking about this. She said that, you know, before that, you know, someone says, oh, you're, what do you do? And you say, oh, I'm a comedian. And they go, oh, have I seen you on anything? And you might have been on a panel show here or there or whatever, but you're not doing your thing. You're not doing stand-up. Mm-hmm. And then you've got this very well-filmed, in a big venue, sold out venue, well, it's free tickets, but like full <laughs> venue, uh, big thing of you doing stand-up, making people laugh. And it's like this artifact. It's like, yes, it, I might not ever say anything funny ever again, but here is this evidence that at one point I was a funny stand-up and here is that evidence. And and that for me was like a real turning point of like, ah, I'm like, I've I've arrived, I suppose, for want of a better term. Like, that was, for me, that, that moment. And I'd done a couple of panel shows here and there before, but, but the book w- was, was less so, really. I mean, I was amazed to be asked to do a book, but um, it, it wasn't, like, it was uh, to do a book wasn't, like, on the bucket list in the same way. Obviously, mm. it's a lovely thing to be to do, but I'm not an author. I'm not a, you know, I write comedy. I don't write, um, like, books, essentially, and I've only done the one thus far. Um, whereas to, to something that you've worked on for years and then to suddenly be, like, showing it off on national television was a really cool thing. Would you say, like, <clears throat> I'm trying to think of, I guess, is, is Drag Race maybe an equivalent for people who do sort of, sort of drag and cabaret thing, that it's a, a springboard f- platform, um, I guess a different way in that you're not defined by your one, you know, that first appearance on Live at the Apollo. But I guess for yeah. the, there are these shows for different, uh, you know, bakers and Bake Off and uh, all, yeah. all of that sort of thing. So is Live at the Apollo the kind of like, right, cool, spring, boom, off I go? It used to be. Uh, and it uh, it was sort of tapering off when I was doing it in terms of that springboard. And actually, uh, being on Live at the Apollo didn't make me particularly 
famous or recognisable any more than I was before. It was actually um, uh, being on eight out of ten cats and doing one of the um, one of the email exchanges, which kind of spring really got stuff going, and that was um, my routine about the parking fine, mm-hmm. and uh, that really people really engaged with that, and that went viral, and it, and it sort of goes viral every couple of years or so. Uh, again, sort of, uh, gets, I think it was on in Norway somewhere the other day and sort of got picked up again. Um, so it sort of follows me around the world that. And I think that is my sort of calling card in the way that you maybe talk about um, drag race being that sort of thing where people kind of first come to you and get their sense of what you are and slightly defines you. That that appearance on, on and the, uh, the few appearances on um, Dictionary Corner that I did on 8 of 10 Cats definitely became that uh, in lots of ways. Yeah, because you now you're. I mean, I was looking at your tour dates. Uh, what a ridiculous set of venues you're doing. Uh, Silly. It's so I. So years and years and years ago, I did a show with with Eddie Izzard, and Eddie Izzard had this this whole routine about doing Wembley, um, and 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 you know Eddie Izzard is obviously a comedy legend, and it yeah. was just this this whole thing about Wembley and going back to Wembley and it's the thing about a cab driver taking them from Wembley and they said oh do you think you'll be going back oh I think I might be going back to Wembley oh you know and misunderstanding of course is in do you want me to take you back to see the show um rather than I'm in the show um yeah, and it's called yeah, it's, yeah. it's the oh is it's not called Wembley anymore is it OVO arena or something or is that a different oh name? yeah it's got like no no it is it's got it's got some weird name uh, OVO one of those. Well, you're doing it. You tell me. Um, so you're doing essentially Wembley. That's essentially Wembley. Yeah, yeah. Um, hang on, I'm going to try because they get cross if you don't use the right um, sponsors. Not that I give a shit. It is the <laughs> Wembley. Sorry, the. Oh no! It is the Ovo Arena Wembley. It was the SSE Arena Wembley because we all know SSE and we all know Ovo. I. What do they do? Say that again. Sorry. Who are they? <laughs> I don't know. I think Ovo are an energy company, I think. Oh! Google it for you. Ovo. <laughs> They're Ovo Energy. They are gas and electricity. And we all love gas and electricity. Right and now. And we all love paying loads of money for it. So, I mean, is, is this the first time you're doing an arena for your own show? It is. How does that uh, yes, feel? Yes, I've I supported um, Jack Whitehall at some uh, and really enjoyed... I didn't expect to enjoy them and really enjoyed them. <laughs> and they're just, like, they're exciting and they're big gigs, you know. They've got, like, atmosphere and that sort of sense of occasion. And um, and uh, my show that I'm doing at the minute has a big screen and there's a lot of kind of visuals to it as well. So I felt like this show would work well in that environment. Um um, yeah, so I'm I'm very nervous about it, obviously, but uh, but very excited because it's uh, it's a show I'm really proud of, and I think it's uh, I think well personally I feel like it's the best thing I've ever made, and I spent a long time working on it, and um, yeah, I'm really enjoying doing the theatres, so it's just scaling the thing up really. But yeah, it's a silly thing to be playing Wembley, big silly thing. Yeah, does does I mean that must feel like a a moment as well when when that you know was it behind the scenes like okay we're gonna put you on there and you went oh i hope we do and then they say oh it might you know is it was it like a a back and forth thing you just got an email one day going cool you're doing wembley uh what happened was i um went in to see my manager and had said that i was 
ready to start touring again or, or was interested in touring again because I hadn't toured for a little while. And they slid over this list of dates, which included Wembley and Birmingham Arena and Manchester Arena, all these places. And I um, had a panic attack, basically. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and said in the meeting, I said, I'm having a very like physical reaction to what you've just shown me. And I definitely need to go and think about it. And I went away and thought about it and I decided not to do it. I just said, I'm not ready. I'm not, I don't have a show that I think is good enough to tour at this point. And I don't want to be in front of 10,000 people at Wembley with a piece of shit. And uh, I just, yeah. And I, and I, I, I was really um, thrown by my reaction to it because I've never had anything quite like it. Uh, and then actually those dates were penciled or were going to be penciled for like mid 2020. So I actually did everyone a favor by having a panic attack in that meeting because uh, we would have had to reschedule and it would have been a real headache and very expensive and all that. So um, actually by putting them on uh, later and in a place where I was a lot happier and felt like I had a good show <coughs> and all that, um, I've saved everyone a lot of aggro. So um, you're welcome, my management company. Well, I mean, yeah, that's, yeah, things worked out there, didn't it? And then I guess you had well, the lock, Well, maybe. The I haven't done the shows yet, so like, I'll yeah. come back to you on that one because I, you know, I could fuck them up. So well, I don't. If, I, I, I can't say if it's a moment or not yet because I haven't had the moment. <laughs> well, if you do need a support act for these, um, I, you know, more than happy um, to take time out of my very busy schedule. Um, you know, that's for a small very local gig. Well, you say you've because it's a it's a stand up show, but you obviously uh, um, do. Uh, th- that's one of the things I loved about you on Drag Race is that you're you're sort of um, drag plus and and quite a big plus, I would say. You 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 do so much, and um, I, I was sort of frustrated. I mean, I don't know how much you can talk about it. I suppose, but I was frustrated with. Um, how uh, how little of you we saw and how much you know you had to offer but i suppose that's the nature of you going to these things knowing that that's what's going to happen i suppose yeah i mean it's it's not the format of, i mean i'm out of contract now so fuck them um Woo! the uh, uh you know the format is not uh made to show off what people can do in all of their various uh ways i mean so you you saw me it was that night in birmingham after I'd done the the nightingale, and we had, we were both many many drinks down, and I yes. did that very obnoxious thing where someone went, "Go on, get up and do a song," and I was like, "Yeah, what?" And I had my ukulele in the back room because I had just come from the show, so I um I uh, got up and just did d- did a song, and then you yeah. sort of drunkenly came over and you went, "This, you're the real deal." You're the real <laughs> deal. Also, I don't remember uh, saying that, but that's well, I, I, I I agree with drunk me. I remember the. By the way, I don't. <laughs> I have a Zoom Basic account, and it's just warned me that I have ten minutes left. Um, yes. Would oh, if I click back into it, will it restart the forty minutes? I don't know. I think. Uh, should I set up a Zoom call? Do you want do to like do that? that? Oh, I'll keep all I'll of this in. No, you need to record it your side, don't you? Well, I can. No, no, I'm recording my mine on this microphone here, and you're recording yours there. Oh yeah, of course. <gasps> so hang we... on, if I 
I've never set up a Zoom meeting. No, I haven't either. This is why I'm, you know, this has happened to me. And I thought, so I'm going to have to, you know, for some of these other, the guests that I mentioned before we started recording, I'm going to have to upgrade. I thought it was unlimited for two people. I think you should upgrade because you don't want fiddling around setting up zoom calls no i no i don't and i'm gonna i'm gonna bleep that so that because this is i think that's going to be a nice surprise later on yes that one yes so uh, i could say a different name you don't want um uh mahatma gandhi no, you you wouldn't. No, no. I mean, you, to be th- setting up a Zoom no, call. No, not at all. Not bloody at all. That's the only name that I could think of. <laughs> I was <laughs> trying to think of like Idi Amin or some like you going to interview me and then a series of dictators. Um, Catherine Zeta Jones, maybe. I don't know who. I'm going to talk to you about Catherine Zeta Jones in a minute as well. Um, all right. What how- do you want to do then? Shall, shall I set up a Zoom? Yeah, do you want to... This is... I'm very sorry for this happening. I didn't... I thought it was unlimited if it was two people. Right. I'm going to set up a Zoom and I'll send you a Zoom link. On on where? I've got your email somewhere, haven't I? Uh, I've I've got your assistant's email, but I'm assuming you were forwarded it. Oh, I think she's forwarded your email. Oh, yes. Well, hang on. I'll take your email. What's your email? Info, I-N-F-O, at Mr. M-I-S-T-E-R. Uh, yes. Not 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 just Emma, Mr. Joe Black dot com. I'm keeping all okay. of this I've in. I think email. I think I've that got... would be quite amusing. S- say again. What's... I'm gonna I'm gonna keep all of this audio in. I think it would be quite yes, amusing. Yes, it's a little bit of Zoom admin. Why not? That's what yes. the people give the people what they want. And you and, and you'll continue recording as well. So we'll have both the I'll sides. Keep recording. And, uh, so there'll yeah. be this period now where I won't be speaking to Joe, but I will be recording. And I, um, same, and so I will dictate. Could... I will talk about my experience in setting up my first Zoom meeting. Okay, so that. I'll remain quiet until I get back on the Zoom with you. So then, it, this is a narration from you. Lovely. Okay. Beautiful. I'm leaving the Zoom now. Right. Goodbye. Goodbye. What a horrible man! Uh, right. I click onto Zoom. Dot us. Join a meeting. Oh, I've got to sign in. Ooh, okay, I am not sure I know what my password is for Zoom. Oh, actually, will it tell me on... Uh, if I go to passwords on my phone. Uh, Zoom. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Okay, I've, I've already got... Wow, that is not a password I ever use. New meeting. Okay. I want to join with computer audio. I've got video. And then can I invite someone into this? Invite, invite, invite. Email. Default email. And then I want to get info at Mr. Joe Black. Dot com, I think it was, isn't it? So I've sent that. Oh, that's a nice noise, isn't it? And currently, I can just see a huge thing of my face. Now, where do I... Participants, if I click that. Oh, Joe Black has entered the waiting room. Shall we admit? Let's admit Joe Black. <gasps> we, Hello? Are we, are, we, are we back? We're back! Oh, goodness. I was... I, I, I didn't narrate, but I was like, oh, I hope Joe's doing well. I'm going to have some water. 
So I'm looking Let, forward I, to hearing your your narration. I did the classic joke of I I I, I try and do this as as many times as possible in a day. Um, because it makes me laugh is if uh one, so the minute i hung up the call i just said what a horrible man <laughs> and i it's so simple as a joke <laughs> and i like to do it if people are with an earshot actually like it's, mu- it's much funny like when you've said oh how lovely to see you and then as you like walk away you say to whoever you're with what an awful couple they are and just as, the, as you say it really loudly um <laughs> I, I i enjoy that but i like um uh, if you ever, I mean, I'm sure uh, along the same lines, if you have a bad show uh, and then you like go, thank you all so much. You've been such a pleasure and get off the stage and go, what a bunch of cunts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so simple as a joke, but it's so pleasing to me. I love well, stuff like I'm, that. I'm, I'm glad we could have that moment. And talk I'm in really a, glad, yeah. Talk in a moment. I'm enjoying you mimicking Catherine Zeta-Jones on her. <sighs> On Instagram, this is, it's, and you also don't, I mean, it's pretty, for those people, everyone, just go look at Joe Lysett's Instagram, uh, where, with these Catherine Zeta-Jones videos, because they're, they're, they're quite, um, she's quite unsettling, but then when you see your recreation of it, you realise how unsettling she is, because you don't seem unsettling doing it, but it's, it just sort of amplifies how strange hers is. I, that's how I... They're so weird. They're, her posts are so weird. And it's sort of classic Hollywood fodder of someone who's been mad famous and probably not being told no that much and all of that. And she seems actually, like, fine. She seems like a nice... But, like, just weird. Just, like, like odd. And, and so... the um, It's not clear to me what the, what the purpose of the video is. It's like, I don't really know what she's trying to achieve with it. But the one that I did, which everyone's been talking to me about and, uh, and getting excited about, is... The one where she's uh, showing her salad yes. to the camera, what she's having. It's lunchtime on set and she's showing her salad or what she's having for lunch. And she's got a bag of like salad. She's got a tin of tuna, some olive oil and balsamic vinegar. My tuna, she says. She says, my tuna. My tuna, yeah, yeah. <laughs> my tuna. Uh, uh, <laughs> two tomatoes. But she only shows you one, and it doesn't yeah, look no, like a great tomato. Yeah, that's what I thought. She said two, because uh, I saw hers, and then I flicked through and watched you. So I actually watched your one before actually watching the full one of her, because I didn't really know what was going on. Yeah, and then I suddenly yeah. was like, ah, no, I I see what's now. But you do yeah. hold up two tomatoes. I do, yeah, because you know, I yeah, I had two tomatoes. I thought, why not? <laughs> why not, little Jerry? I've got tomatoes. the budget. I've got the budget. Yeah, unlike Catherine, it's Zeta been a Jones, good year. She uh, and it's the, the the one that gets is the cucumber, which she doesn't quite announce what it is until she puts it down, and then goes cucumber. Yeah, no, <laughs> it's just the whole delivery of it, the whole the whole premise of it, and then she ends it by saying, "Oh, she she says she's got an apple," and and then she goes, uh, she looks back, and then she goes, "That's it, I miss you," and then she posts that to Instagram, and you're like, "What? <laughs> what were you expecting to achieve here? Like, what, what a, is this?" There's a particular like hyper huge A-list celebrities that use social media sometimes are a bit bit strange because yeah. I guess they don't they're not actually using it to promote anything so they can just put whatever they want uh, yeah. and there are people that I am um, and I get this guilt where oh, I think oh I'm such a big fan of so and so and then I don't I guess this is modern life isn't it where I get uh, embarrassed that I don't follow them on social media and then I realise mostly actors 
their social medias are like a nightmare to follow because it's yeah. bizarrely cropped pictures of something. And you're like, well, I d- why do I want to see like a park? I I, I yeah. don't know. <laughs> there was a really good one with, uh, with Glenn Close, actually, who's a little bit better at Instagram, but I'm, I'm assuming she maybe has some assistance <clears throat> where she wrote a poem. Have you, did you see this about Notre Dame? No. So uh, it was when all the Notre Dame fire happened and then she made this video and she's going, oh, you know, I was in Paris and, uh, you know, I'd like to to say these words about Notre Dame. And she's really explaining how emotional it is. And uh, she doesn't realize that videos can only be a certain length. <laughs> and then she's explaining it. And then she's, if she's like, she goes, Notre Dame. And then the video ends. And then <laughs> about, ten, about 10 minutes later is a video of her going, I didn't realize I'll try to re-upload in the next post. Oh, oh. that's so sweet. But it's 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 such beautiful, perfect timing of how emotional mm. it is about this poem she's gonna read, and she's gonna read the poem any second, and then she says the first words and it cuts. It's yeah. it's it's beautiful. Well um, I mean there's so many do you remember in lockdown um when uh, the Imagine video was done oh, um, God. by Gal Gadot and whatever? It's that it's that sort of um a uh, complete disconnect of uh, in, of real life, really, and like what people are like, and just you, th- you sort of think that just you sort of thinking about another person is going to sort of they're going to be oh my god, Catherine Zeta Jones looked glanced at me, and now I'm forever you know um, touched by her glory and genius. And it's like she's just a woman, isn't she? A very talented woman, but you know, it's this sort of they're, they're a strange breed. The the one that got me in the lockdown was Elton John's performance on the white grand piano next to her in a basketball court. I'm laughing because now I can't hear I'm still standing. Uh yeah. Without... And the, have you seen the one with the captions? Uh where they've Oh, they've, and they're just they've... they're really trying their best. But like, like it's feeling like a little clown a uh, whale trombone something. It, it's just so absurd. So uh, absurd, yeah. And but I love celebs for that. Like, that's what they're there for, isn't it? To sort of be ridiculed by me. Well, you, and so, well, um, yeah. You, I mean, your your meetings with celebs and your lovely selfies that you you had for a, for a while with the glass that was very good. Mm. I watched again in my research. I was watching, making sure I'd seen clips and and, and things to to make sure that you've, I you know you're was, very impressive. I mean, uh, oh, nobody does this much research, Joe. I mean. That's very do, kind of you to do. Do, do, do they? Do they not? Well, I mean, I suppose some people put a bit of time in. I suppose. Yeah, I've probably been unkind on people who've interviewed me before, but it's not that not entirely the norm. I, I mean, I if I interview someone, I just do a quick Google. Oh no, I, I was watching videos. I went to board a book. I, uh, you know. Um, Speaking of celebs, <laughs> I've just had a text. <gasps> now I, I'm conflicted about this. I applied to be on the Raya dating app. Are you familiar with it? Oh, so this is the dating app for famous people, right? Yeah, and I was curious about it. I actually applied to it years ago. Uh, and it's actually, the, te- the text was from 2016, in fact. Um, so I, I, I got it years ago because I was curious. And a friend of mine had said, oh, what, can you sign up to it? And I was in Berlin at the time. And um, the first person I matched with was Lily Allen. And then I panicked and deleted the app. <laughs> Um, 
But I, I, uh, I was talking to Joanne McNally, who's a brilliant um, stand-up, and she's on Raya and talks a lot about Raya. And I thought, oh, well, let's have another look at it. And uh, I applied a, about a week or so ago and heard nothing. And I've just had a text saying, welcome to Raya. Open the app to activate your membership. Um, so I'm now officially in the celeb dating world. Wow, yeah, I see, I had no idea this existed, and then a, an actor friend was was talking about it, and it, it 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 seems quite strange. I don't know, I mean, matching with Lily Allen on your first day is, is that's that's quite something, isn't it? Yeah, but I think, because I think she had a partner at the time, I think, she, I don't know about her dating life, but... Swinger! Um, it's not all about um, uh, uh, dating, it's about, like, connecting with like-minded people. <laughs> but all of this I find, because I'm, I'm a bit anti the private members club thing, because I feel mm. like... You know, the most interesting conversations I have with anyone who's in the pub. But I also, I, when I go on Tinder or whatever, it just becomes a bit unbearable sometimes because, like, people sort of pretend that they don't know who you are. And, all that. and so, actually, I quite, I, I, it appeals to me in some ways, this, this sort of, um, uh, that it's it's a bit celebby. But I don't want to end up shagging Joe McKeldry, for God's sake. Why not? No, that's a good point, actually. Yeah, <laughs> Lily Allen, them just go through them all. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so do, do you do you do you have a sort of bizarre relationship with celebrity then? Yeah. Well, because you're very. I, I've, I've I've got notes here that just say, and it, <laughs> I will explain why I've written it. I've written humble and involved. Humble and what? Involved. Involved. In your local community. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm oh, sorry, yeah, I was trying to work out what you mean by... Um, I'm not sure humble's the word. Uh, I love showing off about the things I do, and I, you know, if I was truly humble and sort of altruistic, I'd just do nice things quietly, but every time I do a nice thing, I do a post about it or a TV show and go, aren't I great? Aren't I uh, nice? Well, what, uh, well, what I mean by humble... To do it, so. Well, what I mean by humble is things like, so you judge the Church of Waishi final... Yeah, uh, in Birmingham, you, you're, you're, you know, it's because may, maybe, maybe it might be that people mostly who have been on reality TV, which is a very different path to yours, uh, are actually a bunch of cunts, and um, we often, you'll, you'll find that people won't do anything unless there's some big great reward, and a lot of them forget that uh, there are there are things that you have come from that maybe your little bit of time there, which doesn't actually, in the grand scheme of things, mean that much to you. In terms, you don't lose anything, but you actually make it such a wonderful experience for everyone else. You you do get involved in things. Oh man! But the, the, the thing with um, the Church of Waishi is that I feel honoured that Waishi would have me there, and uh, I it's a, it's such a good night. It's so fun to be part of that. And it was me, Ginny Lemon. Who were the other judges last time? They were both brilliant as well, and it was um, it was I was just so blown away by the standard of the thing and like how free and how diverse and it was just such a brilliant thing and I was so proud that it was in Birmingham and the Soho so like to be part of it and I went and watched one year and was just like this is amazing to be here and then when um, when why she asked me to be a judge I was like yes let's snap to hand off um, so that, that something like that is just like. A no-brainer for me. Like, I just well, love that kind of thing. It's um, it's amazing community things. You know, you yeah, enjoy going yeah. to these shows, and and you know, it, it, from their side of things, it's really exciting. You know, oh, that's Joe, TV's Joe Lysett sat there on, yeah, the, on the judging yeah, panel, and, and you're so, yeah. 
and you're having a lovely time and they're having a lovely time and I you know there's not you don't necessarily get a lot of that I find stand-up comedians uh from my tend to be a little more um willing to get involved in stuff um again probably yeah. because rea- reality tv drag queens uh, are wankers for the most part <laughs> um uh, uh, we're just it's, desperate it's... We're, we're desperate for material so if anything's a bit different or unusual or something that we can potentially write about later we're in you know i mean because i when when you know if there's like say a say a gig that hasn't gone well or i mean it's this is sort of related but a gig hasn't gone well or, or maybe something isn't quite right or maybe something badly organized or something's missing or whatever i go well you know i've done worse um i've done worse for less um and i try to remember that um when doing things well i came from this and then i think but also those gigs and those those (laughs) things where you're where you're up against it there was um a, a bit of advice that was given to me by Roy Walker when I was starting out and his advice was you don't learn to be funny when they're laughing and I thought that was so brilliant and it's applicable to lots of different things when things are going well that's not when you're being creative and whatever that's when you're coasting essentially Mm -hmm. it's when like you're shit is hitting the fan they're staring at you maybe you're being heckled to bits like all of that that's when your brain sort of tries to find a route and tries to find some way of solving this problem and so i think to it's it's um it, it, it's a bit silly in some ways to only put yourself in situations where you know you're going to be adored and all that because that you're not making good work then you need to be put yourself in situations where sometimes actively put yourself in situations where like you're on the back foot and you need to find a way and you need to find your you know you need to hone your skills yeah That's no a good absolutely thing to do I, uh, many years ago, I used to, there was a, a, a venue that was doing a, a monthly stand-up night and they were like, right, we're going to mix cabaret with stand-up. So I was the host of what was essentially a, a really clean cut stand-up gig. Great. And, <clears throat> well, you say great. Nothing will quite remind you how, uh, happy cabaret audiences are to just be there and whatever happens. Then a room of me going out looking absolutely ridiculous to like arms folded stand up comedy crowds. And oh, that was okay. a massive learning curve for me was yeah. going out and going, oh, <clears throat> I have to. They're not coming in for a, you know, a wacky boozy night out with the girls on a hen party or because it's a birthday and they wanted to see something different. So they've gone to a burlesque show where they're kind of automatically on your side. Stand-up comedy audiences, especially for random mixed bill lineups, are not necessarily on your side. No, um, no, and that was terrifying, and I had to be, you know, I had to learn. Like, okay, well, gotta be funnier. Basically, get away with yeah. so much uh, more. That's that's it. Yeah, it's it. Th- 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 there's an expectation. There's a level, um, and yeah, you've got to reach it. And 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 that's the thing. Like when people sort of say about anyone, they go, "Oh, well, they're not funny, or they're shit." You know, people on telly, stand-ups are on telly. I. I'm always a bit like, well, you might not find them funny and they might not be coming across as funny as they are in live as, uh, on TV, but uh, people don't ascend the comedy ranks if they're shit. Like, there's, no. like they might not be to your taste, but they will make it, they will have had to make some audiences laugh at some point in their life to get there, you know. Oh, and, yeah, and a, yeah. A lot of the time having tricky audiences as well and ones that are pissed and aggressive and all that. 
it's not a it's not an easy thing to do. It's not subjective. I mean, it is subjective to to tastes, but if people are getting the gigs, they ha- yeah, they, it has to be funny. They can't yes. get away with it just because they're they're charming and they've said a couple of funny things. They have to yeah. consistently be doing a good job. Did you did you have any particularly? Um, <clears throat> I was going to say terrible gig experiences, but sometimes the terrible ones can be surreal and brilliant because they're bad. So what like early on, maybe even later on, what what were kind of your most surreal? live gig experience that's really stuck with you uh i mean i did a lot of like pub gigs and uh there were some really brilliant ones in manchester there was um uh, what was it called it was on a monday at the ape and apple uh and it was it was a uh, just a kind of brand new comics just doing 10 minutes no nobody got paid it was just free and i think it was free entry and free uh, you know, um, free performance essentially, and I learned a lot. You know, worked with a lot of new comics there, and 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 had some real fun there. Um, but then there was like gigs where you know I'd go to like a kind of a little town outside Manchester and do a gig in a pub, and uh, there was one where this dude was being really homophobic, um, and uh, just saying like, "Oh, I don't really like like people like you, or whatever." And his wife was really sticking up for him, and. In the end, like, and, and the room wasn't sort of on my side. There wasn't this sort of sense of like, oh, that's appalling you said that, and so we're going to be on your side and really laugh more at your jokes, which might have happened in certain places. They were just like, yeah, fair play to him. Like, you know, you know, he doesn't like it. He said he doesn't like this sort of person, so whatever. And, um, and so I was really on the back foot there. And on that one, what I've realised is that like Hindus and sort of um, drunk women and aggressive women are much harder to deal with in stand-up than men. With men, well, you can on, just... on my side, those women are actually generally on your side. Yes. It's bizarre. Yeah. No, that, like if you offend one of the women, they all rally around that woman and then you're like enemy number one. Whereas if you slag off a stag or a bloke or whatever, the rest of them, his mates will just be like, yeah, he's a fucking nods or whatever it is. Um, and so I, this this homophobic guy, I just sort of basically went into the room and just sort of like started sort of aggressively flirting with him essentially. And, and I probably wouldn't do it. Well, I definitely wouldn't do it now because... Uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't get consent from the homophobe to sit on his lap, but I, you know, I sat on his lap and I, you know, kind of uh, made him a sort of part of this sort of brought him in and it, and it kind of melted the kind of tension of the gig. Uh, but it was, um, it was scary. You know, I thought I, 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 there was somebody who was basically saying, I don't like people like you and I don't want you around me. And I don't approve of having you there. Uh, and then I did lots of gigs in like, yeah, I did, I did a weird gig in G-A-Y in Manchester while the nightclub was still happening. And I think it was me and <laughs> Bethany Black, who is um, a brilliant um, stand-up who I've known for years. And she uh, she was comparing and we were trying to basically entertain like 10 people who had just gone to the corner of G-A-Y to just have a little quiet drink and probably wank each other off. And then there there's me trying to sort of read out my poetry jokes or whatever I was doing at the time. Yeah, I did a lot of odd gigs, but I, I'm very glad I did. And they honed my craft. And, and I try to do, when I'm not on tour, I try to do club gigs and I try to go back to those places and, and do, you know, uh, put myself in uh, situations where I'm uncomfortable because it's the only way you get, you hone your craft and you get better at the 
at the work. So it's a sort of um, it's part of the job, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah, I think that's definitely also good advice for people doing any sort of performance thing, like staying out of. The comfort zones, because you're not you're not gonna learn the the GAY one. A friend they started for a while trying to do drag on a, a particular day, and then they said that they were doing they were singing Bohemian Rhapsody, which is of course not the calmest of songs. And someone was just having a nap, just in the yeah. corner. Yeah. The, uh, and also the the stag and hen That's thing. That's great. And I, <clears throat> the the stag and hen thing with with burlesque shows. The the hens particularly because it's their night. They're gonna have the best time. And there was one night, it was in Southampton, and there's the entire front row was made up of hens, and then further back was a stag party. And stag parties at burlesque shows are not a good idea. Uh, at oh. Gay stag parties, better, but heterosexual laddie stag parties. They had T-shirts with Sylvester the Cat on it that said Pussy Patrol. Um, that was That was the vibe. And uh, and I said to the I was I was hosting the show and I said to the owner of the venue I was like I don't think the stag party is a good idea and she was like well they paid the money I was like okay and then within yeah. about five minutes of the show well five seconds of the show started I'd walked out and one of them basically went silly prick at me um, and then silly the show, they, prick <laughs> and then, I mean like, is that the best you can do. I mean, it got more intense as the night went on, and then these the hen party kind of took uh, took it took it because it was their night. It was Lucy or whatever her name was, or Charlotte. Um, it was her night, and then this, as far as they were concerned, the stag party they weren't ruining the show; they were ruining her hen party. Great. And if, seeing a war between all of so this is Southampton as well, so they're rough, yeah, and they turned the. And the hen party turned round and started like going at the stag party, um, and then they started going wankers, 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 and then the stag party just one by one shuffled out and left. Um, uh, the hen party won. Great, they won. Actually, okay, I'm on their side now. No, you get on the right side of hens, and it's like having their own private security team. Mm. It's just could you could you imagine like look at especially they're like really ridiculous and clowny like I do and someone's being rude and then a hen pie goes he's trying to sing his fucking song shut up <laughs> um, like you're is a brilliant personal security um, we are I am looking at the time when we are coming to the end and I know you have other things to do but I would like to just ask so you've you've done the book you've done all of these television shows you've done your own shows uh, you're about to do uh, Wembley. Where the fuck do you go from here? It's a very good question. I, uh, because this show took so long to write and whatever, I don't have the next stand-up idea or like sort of stunt, because it's around a stunt. I don't have the next stunt idea. And so um, I've got, I'm slightly tempted to, as we've been talking about, sort of go back to basics a little bit and go back to doing a show that is just pure stand-up and it's just routines and... uh, and just so I, I think I'm going to go back and do some loads of bits of that as well. I've got some telly stuff in the pipeline, some ideas and things which may or may not happen. It's up to the the gods in the grey suits to decide. But um, I um, yeah, I'm uh, one thing I love about my job is that I can always be doing it in some form. Like uh, you know, I can go and try out some jokes in a tiny little club, and I'll, I, I can. Uh, play Wembley I'm very fortunate that I can do these sort of like these things and um yeah so I'm gonna write some more jokes basically that's it I, I, 
I think that's that says a lot about you as a performer that you're like, well, I'll just carry on. That's the, that's the thing. It's like no matter what you're doing, you're just gonna. And I, I mean, bit of a curveball, but Kate Nash as an example is that someone that had this ridiculous high of her career, and yeah. then it, you know, that sort of lost that and got dropped by a label and things, and then just carried on because she just loved doing music and it didn't matter yeah. what what she had to do she was going to do it anyway and yeah it, i but think that, that those are the people that will continue working well that's because it's a sort of compulsion isn't it i can't remember the na- name of the um musician um you're frozen she, joe uh, oh you you froze joe i'm gonna have to ask you that again i didn't hear uh, it but the recording will hear it but you know we'll add effects on it or something yes um the, uh, what I was saying is that uh, that that's um, that's the compulsion, isn't it? As a performer, like it's a, a, a it, you you don't do it. Obviously, it's nice to do it to bigger audiences and all that, but you do it because you want to do it and you enjoy it, and you get something from that. And um, the, I, I can't remember the name of the musician, but there was a musician who uh, had written an album, wanted to release it. The label said no. The label said there wasn't a single on the album, as in, like, there was no, like, one song that was a breakaway, whatever. And so they said that they weren't going to release it or they, they weren't going to release it till later in the year or whatever. And um, she was just like, sod this, and um, set up her own label and released it because she just made music and wanted it to mm-hmm. wanted to release it and then make more music and wanted to get rid of the last album, essentially, so she could start making more stuff. And uh, that album got picked up up by um uh, Paul Thomas Anderson who directed Magnolia I think that's right I think he directed Magnolia and um at one point in the film Tom Cruise sings one of the songs from it the songs are all across the film uh the one one of the songs that's in the um in the film ended up winning a Grammy it sold a ridiculous amount of copies and basically egg on face of the um producers and I loved that because it's such a I mean it's the most ridiculous version of that story of that of that thing happening where you just go and make something and it you know it couldn't have gone any better like tom cruise is singing all that um but it's that it's that amazing thing of uh you know if you make stuff you never know where it's going to go once you've made it and um and it's sort of not up to you and it's up to you to just get on with making stuff and that's that's the joy and that's the point of the thing and what happens to it afterwards so what so um you know i'm i'm fortunate that i'm making stuff that i can show off in wembley but the next thing i might only show off in my local pub in birmingham it, yeah. and that will be fine you know it doesn't o- matter o- o- i've got authenticity. the cash now i'm fucking rich <laughs> i don't need to do anything authenticity i think it, you know it will draw the people in you're you you know you're not going to suddenly go right i've done wembley now so now i need to change absolutely everything about myself so i can do the o2 you know, yeah. you're 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 going to do what you do, and it clearly works, which is why you're doing Wembley. And it, you, I rat, you'll be at the O2 in no time. It'll be a Spice oh. Girls style stadium show. You'll have dancers. <laughs> you'll come out. You'll come out to spice up your life through the floor, um, oh and it's going to be absolutely glorious. Uh, Joe Lysett, thank you very much. It has been such. Thanks a for pleasure. having me. What a treat to see you and like you know have a have a chat. And I, I, I wanted to ask you lots of questions really, but we'll have to do that in a in some other at some other juncture in real Let's life. Let's do it in a pub. Let's do it in a pub. In a pub with a pint. Uh, well, I'll, I'll have a wine, Miss. Maybe a pint of wine, actually. Pint of wine, by the way. Perfect. All right, I'm going to stop this recording now. And Joe Lysett. Mwah! Mwah!
And that was my interview with Joe Lysett. Hope you enjoyed it. Please leave some lovely reviews and five-star ratings and all of that uh, nonsense. Um, Again, as I've said uh, in the intro episode, I've loved recording these. And I'm excited for you to see the guest each week. So have a lovely day, evening, morning, uh, existence, everybody, wherever you may be. And uh, I shall see you next time. Goodbye! If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit Juvederm.com.